politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew on life, liberty, property, and everything in between. And boy, is there everything from the border to trannyism to the debt ceiling to our very existence as sentient human beings. They're unleashing more therapeutic jihad upon us into our bodies. We need men of the times who know what ought to be done. But we've been lacking that for quite some time. But today is going to be D-Day, as in DeSantis Day. He is getting in the race. We've been talking about why that matters, why it doesn't, and what way it benefits us and what way it doesn't. We'll be having a special guest, the DeSantis surrogate, big ally, uh, discuss and making the case why it should matter, but particularly in what way it matters. Uh, to me, no matter what, what this signals is that after eight years of our movement being hijacked, we will finally at least have the closest thing we've had in, in, in a generation to someone believing and articulating our views, what ought to be done on the issues of the day, at least giving voice to COVID fascism. You know, we don't, we don't even have that anymore. And obviously, DeSantis has been doing that. Um, we need someone on the debt ceiling. We need someone on the tranny issues. Like I mentioned, immigration, you name it. There is a lot going on. So we're going to get to that a little bit later. Uh, first off, a lot of things I want to lay out here on the docket. Um, I want to talk about this Target business because this is this is really, I mean, you want to talk about something that matters more than the presidential elections. If we have the ability to really do what the left does and weaponize boycotts, um, this is important. This is very important, choosing right. And by the way, that begins with our sponsor today. To my knowledge, there is only one guaranteed conservative company that sells eyewear in America. And that is our friends at Better Spectacles, their Rodenstock Biometric Intel Glasses. What does Intel Glasses mean? Believe it or not, you see with your brain every bit as much as you see with your eyes. Our brains are constantly sensing what's around us. How and what we see not only depends on the strength of our own eyes, but also helps the brain make optimal decisions. That's why you need as much of your vision field and peripheral vision to in order to think straight. I mean, if you're like me and you're nearsighted, you take your glasses off, you can't function. So likewise, you might have glasses, but if they're not operating at an optimal level, well, you'll be less intelligent. So that's why I recommend you do what I did and go to betterspectacles.com slash conservative. What happens? You schedule a teleoptical appointment. They measure it online. It's pretty unbelievable. Uh, they measure the, the fit. You get 61% off. And you will get visual acuity like you've never seen before. That's how we are on the ball here because my Rodenstock frame is from Better Spectacles at betterspectacles.com slash conservative. So for the first time in a generation, we are finally seeing ourselves turn the corner on a cultural issue. Um, the polling shows this, that we are pushing back against the rainbow jihad, the craziness, you know, the last couple of years, every time, and it gets earlier and earlier, they gear up for this arbitrary designation of June as the Sodom and Gomorrah Pride Month and just moon and groom us with the most disgusting, satanic, demonic, licentious behavior. And it's everywhere. And we just, we just sit back and take it. And you even have conservatives over the years. A Pride Month, they start echoing their terminology. It started with Bud Light and now we're nipping Target in the bud, and they announced that some of their satanic merchandise of, you know, penis-inducing bikinis or whatever that they were putting out, uh, you know, at, at the front of their store, they're going to start to take away because of the blowback. And, and, and the squeaky wheel gets oil. This is how the left was able to take a 2% movement and make it ubiquitous in every county and state in the country. We need to do the same. And it's obviously a lot more than 2%. We have a majority support. We have to show them that they will pay a price. Remember, until now, if you had a corporation, you can never go far enough to the left. 
The right might be upset about it, but they're not going to do anything to you, but the left will kill you if you don't do what they say. We have to create equal and opposing force. This is a very positive development. But wouldn't it be nice to have a national advocate, as we talked about yesterday, a megaphone, a leader, giving voice to things like this? I could tell you, so long as Trump defines our movement, defines America first, you will not have an effective fight. Literally, we saw Don Jr. say, you, you know, cut it out, fighting against Bud Light. Again, that is how it matters. Like some people say, Daniel, these type of fights with Target, that's more important than presidential election. I agree. But the problem is, because the presidential election looms large in everything in politics, as long as Trump is our voice, we're screwed. And by the way, I just want to say, speaking of you know the hijacking of our movement, you go back to my writings, I was using America first long before he came about. He borrowed a lot of our terminology, and I don't, I don't want to get into that, but just this notion that somehow he created it, he hijacked it and retarded and inhibited our movement and co-opted it into a controlled opposition. So I, for one, am happy that at a minimum we have competition and a way to move on. But folks, this is where it is. We have a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to push back against the Rainbow Jihad. Typically, the other side pushes too far. There's a little bit of a blowback. And we have a little bit of a fight, but then we drop it. That's what happened with gay marriage. We fought it. 30 states you know, barred it. But then we just dropped it. You have to stick the landing here, and we have to see this through. Um, and, and, and that's why we need to make it clear that we will not tell. It's not just, oh... Just don't harm my religious, don't force my religious institution to do it. No. If we see you promoting it, we're going to go after you. That is hate speech. That is offensive. That is sick. And we're not going to tolerate it. Done. That's how it is. Okay, moving on. Again, I just want to get a a bunch of things off the docket here because obviously... This announcement is going to suck up a lot of the um, oxygen. Um, Texas. Texas, we couldn't get a single one of Bob Hall's medical freedom bills to, to, to the floor. We couldn't even get Brian Harrison's bill, HB81, the COVID Vaccine Freedom Act, which only bars COVID vaccines from being mandated. Okay, I mean, that's pretty simple. Doesn't even take it off the market. And can't even get a vote. Can't even get a vote. Also, with that border bill, we talked about this deportation force. They took out the explicit language authorizing the new state-level border protection force to repel and remove those attempting to cross the border. So, again, you could create another force parallel to Texas DPS and the National Guard, but if you don't allow them to repel, it's just the same thing. So, again, there's no leadership from from the governor, and look, there's no pressure from on top because Trump is not making these play calls. This, again, I'm just going to tell you, I could say it's more important to focus on the state legislatures, focus on the issues, focus on you know the cultural kind of private sector fights. It's all true, and I'm going to continue doing that. <laughs> but we're losing. <laughs> we're not winning them. We don't have a voice, and we have a negative voice. This is the problem. I mean, in a state like Texas, I don't know what to do. We cannot get basic things passed in a state like Texas. Um, one other thing here. Um, last week, Glenn Beck laid out the case against the Biden crime family. Um, the level of corruption that ties to, to, the ties to China. Um, it's called The Reckoning. And... It's just a really good resource. We're, we hope to do this more often, these special deep dives. You know, um, we did it with, uh, uh, Glenn did one on, on, on the creation of COVID. We did one with Steve and Sarah Gonzalez on vaccine injury, um, these deep dive broadcasts. So he has a website, thereckoningguide.com. I just wanted to flag for you guys, thereckoningguide.com to ba- basically collates all of the information, the top lines on uh, the Biden crime, 
and what state attorneys general and prosecutors can do. You know, we've been talking about, oh, you know, Trump, 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 they're persecuting, they're prosecuting him. And I'm like, what's your action item other just other than just elevating his prominence so he could win the nomination? Do something with it. And we talked about the need to protect people in blue jurisdictions from politically motivated juries and things like that, expanding the jury pool. We talked about red states defending uh, their citizens, having a legal defense fund for those people. But then there is another important action item that red states need to do the same thing to Biden. You got to fight fire with fire. And there, there really is terrible criminal activity. So on the website, thereckoningguide.com, he talks about the need you know, what different local and state prosecutors can be doing to do Alvin Bragg in reverse, but actually following the law. So that is another important action item that, again, you know, this supersedes anything if you support Trump or DeSantis or whatever. I mean, we should all agree this is what needs to be done to deter this one-sided weaponization of politics where they could commit real crimes, but they'll go after Republicans who, who, who don't. So that's the reckoningguide.com. Um, I'm going to have more on illegal, well, maybe we'll cover, cover illegal immigration a little bit tomorrow, but mainly I will have more on COVID stuff, medical freedom. We're going to have uh, Peter McCullough on as well. Um, just a couple more things here on, on this tranny jihad, just the importance, the crossroads, the precipice that we're at. Uh, first, our next sponsor again, and it's not just a sponsor, but it's an action item, Jace Medical. I just saw, oh man, I, I forgot the statistics, but the numbers got even worse with the percentage of the top 300 medications in shortage. It's th this, this stuff's getting real. Um, Jace Medical, they offered the Jace case for antibiotics, but now they also have a product for you to get a full year supply of your vital prescriptions. So let's say you have a supply. Some people take, you know, mental health stuff, blood pressure, um, you name it, cardiac, diabetes. And they will offer you a 12-month backup supply to give you that peace of mind when the stuff hits the fan. You go to jacemedical.com, enter a promo code REVIEW, uh, Cindy, one of our listeners, emails me that that the processing was extremely easy, filling out the questionnaire online, and she said for, for her five annual scripts, her total was $256, so that's actually pretty good, paying out of pocket, again, jasemedical.com, that's jasemedical.com, enter code review for a discount, so the American Principles Project, I'm not sure who they are, but it's an allied organization, they're warning parents across the U.S. of the possibility of their parental rights being stripped away from them as recent legislation in California and Minnesota moved to give state family courts the power to take, basically take away custody if you don't allow the kid access to balls cutting and breast removal. And it just reminds me, like, this is the precipice we're at. The left is dead serious. They will take this to a level that we couldn't imagine. But on the other hand, because they're so radical, beyond where the Overton window will sustain their political gains, the public is with us. And we need to floor the gas pedal. Not just, oh, don't screw up uh, female sports. Well, you know, the, the whole Trump-Bruce Jenner thing that, we love the tranny community. Trannyism is natural. Homosexuality is amazing. But, you know, just don't screw up female sports. No. Now is the time to educate people, even on the things that our side started to kind of wear down on. Maybe times have changed. Really? You just, like, quadruple the amount of homosexuals and quintuple the amount of people that switch hit in a matter of a few years, that's totally natural. It is all coming from this concerted psychological warfare that at the top levels of the deep state, there's a deep public state, there's a deep private state, they're all working together. When the government created this monopoly with these corporations, it's not just an economic monopoly, but they, they did it to create a cultural monopoly to monopolize the public square so they have a, a, a free lane to groom people into whatever they want. 
We need to fight the corporations. We need to ban this indecency, certainly ban the drag shows, the bathroom stuff, all of it. All of it. Plow the ground under it. Run heavy on this issue. And that's one thing I'm going to be looking for in the next week or two as, you know, DeSantis rolls out his campaign and, you know, presumably makes stops in the earliest states. This should be a priority. And I know it's tough. It's like, gosh, which thing do you promote? Their war on our border, civilization, culture, bodies, self-evident truths. Who knows? Economy, inflation, energy. I mean, it's just unbelievable when you consider what we fought a revolution for relative to what we're dealing with now. It's like, yeah, there's a couple of taxes on tea and paper. (laughs) That's all it was. Because our founders understood. Nip the shoots of arbitrary power in the bud. Or shall we say, in the bud light. So there's that. There's also... um. Where 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 is this here? I'm playing this here. This clip I got. The American Medical Association. They've officially called for newborns not to be signed sex assigned until they can decide for themselves what their sex is. This is it's just unbelievable. The AMA. The AMA is another organization that we need to audit every way the feds and the states subsidize or empower them. And that needs to be choked off. This is really how it works, by the way. This is what venture socialism is. They take taxpayer funding and fund all this stuff. And then suddenly you find in the culture, like, well, it's a private organization, Daniel. That you know, They're just competing in the market of ideas. They seem to be winning. No. You know what's interesting? Where did I see this? Aaron Siri, our you know, famed medical freedom lawyer. We've had him on a couple times. He put out a table here of Pfizer donations to universities in 2021. Rutgers, 2 million. Hopkins and Boston University. University of New Mexico got almost a million apiece. University of California, 612,000. Purdue University, 563,000. Mayo Clinic, 802,000. Cleveland Clinic, 600,000. Mass General, 539. So, you get what we're going at. American, so the, the hospitals and universities, then all of the associations, American Gastroenterology Association, American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology, American Academy of Physician Assistants, Rheumatology Nurses Society, Cancer Care, Copayment Assistance Foundation. So that Cancer Foundation. And this is really sick given the amount of cancer that the shots have caused. Pfizer donated 24 million. 24 million. Obviously, they roped in the American Heart Association and College of Cardiology. Unbelievable. Now, you might say, well, it's, you know, Pfizer's a private entity. No. They got all that money, that extra money that they could throw around to promote their product. From our government. So our government promotes the product. Our government mandates the product. Our government puts it on a schedule. But then our government also funds all of the cultural, you know, institutional medical associations and institutions to fund their product as well. All paid for by you, whether it's your tax money or your blood, sweat and toil because of the inflation of the printed money. We need an advocate. The point is, in these 20 minutes, I just tried to give over to you just a synopsis of the gravity of the times we live in. We don't have time to argue over polls. We don't have time to argue over cable personalities. We don't have time to argue over who has bigger crowd size or these, like, kindergarten pissing matches on Trump social. We just don't have the time. And that's why, folks... We're going to discuss today in what way DeSantis announcing can help this stuff or not. But either way, I'm going to continue focusing on my issues. I'll guarantee you one thing. If DeSantis comes out one day and says, you know what? 
I think it's a good idea to raise the debt limit. I think it's a good idea to, uh, you know, um, I don't know, loosen asylum laws, whatever. I'm not going to be like, oh, yeah, that's actually a good idea. You know? I don't change. You know, but at the same time, when you do have someone fighting, fighting for you and you have no one else, you got to see how to utilize that. So I want to talk about this with our guest. Our interview today is sponsored by our friends at BarrelBuddy.com. BarrelBuddy is a cartridge that you jam through your barrel of your gun when you want to clean it. And it is a novel concept that scrubs and collects the carbon particulates and then absorbs any remaining residue and buffs the interior surface clean. It also is a double action because while it gets out the gunk, the squeezing... Um, you, you first put the solvent around it so it cleans it. You get a nice uniform application. Then you could put another um, cartridge in to have a nice uniform lubricant. And boom, put it back together. You clean your firearm. Don't be one of those schlubs uh, that don't clean their guns like those who don't take showers. <laughs> you got to give your gun the bath it needs. Jam a round peg, not a square peg, not a a, a boar snake or a, you know one of these... Um, little cloths that shed and leave lint in your barrel, which is the last thing you want, put a nicely designed round peg in a round hole, 15 bucks for 50 barrel buddies. It comes in uh, the caliber that you'll need, 945, 357 Magnum. BarrelBuddy.com today is where to go. Again, BarrelBuddy.com. Clean your gun the American way. So later today, Ron DeSantis is finally announcing his run for president. And shockingly, in a very non-traditional method, it's not going to be this big rally or Sermon on the Mount sort of speech. It's going to be this Twitter space forum. I don't even know how to use Twitter space, but together with Elon Musk. And he's going to field questions, live questions that uh, Musk and David Sachs, the other person who will be there um, moderating it. And DeSantis will just field questions. And that's how he's introducing himself to the public. So I wanted to delve into just the the choice of of his venue, what the significance is, because obviously we're on the other side of his announcement, so we don't know yet what he's going to say. We'll analyze that tomorrow. But I want to discuss this and how it fits in just with the broader theme we've been banging away at this week. In what way does the presidential election matter and not matter? In what way does DeSantis matter and not matter? Um, is it too late? Is this a distraction anyway? Okay, there's a lot to go through there. There's a lot to un unpack. How does DeSantis himself operate? What should we expect? Um, there's a lot to delve into, and there's a lot of people I could have on, but there's one person I've never had on, shockingly, and it's a mistake, a friend of mine, David Reboy, He's a fellow at the Claremont Institute. We, we talk a lot, and he's one of the few deep thinkers in our movement actually trying to ascertain who we are and where are we headed. He writes at Late Republic Nonsense is his substack, Late Republic Nonsense. Um, he's frequently a uh, guest on media, particularly about foreign policy and national security, which I might want to get to vis-a-vis -vis DeSantis. He's also, also a big advocate of national divorce, which is very important as well to this discussion. Follow him on Twitter at Dave Reboy. That's Dave, R-E-A-B-O-I. And his website is DaveReboy.com. Hey, Dave, I can't believe it's taken a decade, but here you are. Welcome for the first time. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you very much. I feel like we do a podcast uh, at least a couple times a week. Uh, but nobody's recording, so this is great. I, I figured we may as well do that, and and I think you're the perfect person. I would call you sort of a DeSantis surrogate in the sense that you're, you know, you've been promoting him for several months on online, doing battle with the Trump people, so you feel very passionate. So um, I want to get into, you know, why you support him a little bit afterwards, but first, the significance of today. I'm not a huge fan of Elon Musk. Um, I think he is genuine in, in the sense that, like, kind of like Naomi Wolf and RFK, they've had a revelation based on what's going on, and they certainly understand the left is crazy. So they've moved over, but they're not exactly who you and I are. So I don't fully trust them. Um, why 
is he doing this and and is it a good move? Well, I think it's a great move. I think, um, I mean, first, it uh, represents uh, DeSantis getting inside Trump's OODA loop. And um, and uh, it was something that is kind of totally out of the box. And uh, look, I mean, nobody remembers um, announcement speeches. They may remember, um, let's say, iconic artifacts from the speech, like uh, Trump coming down the, uh, the, the escalator at uh, Trump Tower um, or things like that. Um, so I think um, I think turning this into a an unusual um, event is a good thing, and it shows them uh, you know thinking thinking outside the box. And and as as far as Musk is concerned, yeah, I mean I agree with you. He's not uh, you know he's not one of us, but I think that is uh, that kind of leads to something really important too, which is that uh, DeSantis has this unique ability to connect with people who ordinarily would not support, um, you know, someone who is, mm. you know, by any account, a very right wing uh, politician. Um, Trump, on the other hand, is a guy who is actually a quite a moderate politician, but makes people think <laughs> that he is, uh, you know, it's like all the negatives of, um, yep. you know, some far right guy. Um, with none of the positives. And and DeSantis has kind of flipped that on its head. And I think a lot of that has to do with him being kind of essentially normal in his uh, per, uh, personal affect. And also um, the the competence and intelligence. I mean, I saw an article where um, that, that talked about uh, the governor meeting with Elon during uh, COVID. And it, it said that, you know, they, they both geeked out about, um, you know, about uh, – uh, the different data points, the different studies, data, and, yeah, yeah, the, and, and the, really delved right. into it, and 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 that's the thing. It goes a long way in giving people confidence that, hey, you actually know what you're doing. Like you're for real. You're going to implement this. You're going to see it through. It's not just kind of posturing that you're never going to land the or stick the landing. So I think that that's an important point. What do you think about the media aspect of this? The fact that he's circumventing the media where typically you would call upon them, hey, I'm go down to my hometown in Florida, come out and cover my event. Here is like he's going directly around the people. So what I find interesting here, and I want to get your comment on this, that his media strategy is almost the way he is on policy. On policy, we have Republicans that say one thing, but then they do the opposite when the leverage points actually come due to affect that change. Um, but he actually follows through with it, at least more than any other politician we've seen that has risen to that level of prominence. But then the media thing's the same thing. What, what's conservative media? What's Republican politics the last generation? The media. The media, the media is terrible. And the media is horrible. They're not... You know, reporters, they're a part of the Democrat Party. Okay. But the question begs, what the heck are you going to do about it? Same thing. We have an invasion at the border. Okay, so then you have an obligation to treat it like an invasion. Okay? You know, but then our, our actions don't match our rhetoric. So he's, you know, we all say the media is terrible. So he actually takes it hard and is like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to cut them out. And then the Trump people attack him for like, you're incompetent, not properly dealing with the media. What's going on there with the dichotomy of media strategy between the two camps? Well, one of the things that uh, Trump did very, very poorly during his four years in the White House was, um, you know, he, he depended solely on mainstream media and he gave them legitimacy. And he did this sort of um, while ignoring uh, friendly media on the right. I mean, he had an opportunity. He had the golden opportunity to promote um, to promote uh, conservative media and uh, you know his allies there into real superstars. I mean, sure, it happened a little here and there. But at the end of the day, when he needed to do something really important, the leaks went to uh, the New York Times. They went to the Washington Post. They went to all of the usual places. Um, and that's not even getting into how many um, you know administration officials couldn't wait to run to uh, the Daily Beast and and the New Yorker, et cetera. So I think, I mean, there have been a number of Florida outlets, you know, Florida's Voice and and things like that that have popped up recently. And I think it's because uh, folks down here 
recognized that, hey, you know, why are we depending on mainstream media to cover the things that are happening in Florida? You know, why are we allowing uh, these um, these issues to be owned by horrible papers like the Sun Sentinel and and the um, and the the Miami Herald and you know on and on? Um, why don't we ha- actually have people on the ground doing real reporting? And um, you know, wow, it's amazing that nobody actually thought of that. Um, in, instead, conservative media loves to run around and and um, and basically be, uh, you know, everyone everyone is George Will. Everyone is talking about how how uh, you know how how smart they are and how insightful. And and I get it. I mean, we have a lot of smart, insightful people. But at the end of the day, an ecosystem relies on a news ecosystem uh, relies on uh, actual reporting and reporters and uh, and dealing with them fairly. And from the point of view of DeSantis, uh, who is actually he and his team have been very good about dealing with the media. I mean, you have to teach them how to, you know, you have to teach them how to act. You have to teach them how to behave. And that means that like a child, you have to set them limits. And um, And the way that he's done that uh, throughout his uh, his term in office, I mean, especially starting with COVID, um, I think has been has been uh, admirable. No, I mean, we definitely see that where he doesn't just say we need to cut them out and then rely on them when he needs them. He literally cuts them out, and it's it's like it's it's a, it's a freeze out. And like you said, empowering our own people. I found interesting that he's given every once in a while you see these exclusives pop up with him. There aren't that many, at least now there will be more, obviously. And one of them's like with a guy like Neil Monroe from Breitbart. So on immigration policy, Neil's been writing for over a decade. He's interviewed me a lot, and he's a true, true believer sure. in immigration limitations, restrictions. You know, the Breitbart management, there's something different there, but he's still kind of true to his beliefs. And so, hey, I want to talk about immigration. I'll go to Neil Monroe. I mean, and 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 that's a thing. He'll actually live, not just espouse, but he'll live it. He'll implement. He'll 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 uh, create that parallel. That's another thing I like. Another thing I think this whole um, Elon Musk thing speaks to is his political acuity. So. I don't particularly like him, and I don't like some of his ventures and the venture socialism and the electric car stuff, and I think a lot of it got started because of government. But the bottom line is there was a poll that came out recently, a fave-unfave among Republican voters of different public figures, Right. and Elon by far was the most favorable. Be it as it may, if you want to win, that is an interesting idea. One of my, I wouldn't say criticisms, and I've never, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, and I certainly haven't shared it with the audience, but... Obviously, everyone knows I, I worked with him in Congress kind of the same way I work with Chip and Massey and Andy Biggs when he was there. He's on, on House Judiciary, particularly issues like immigration. And he was miserable because, you know, you had Boehner and then Ryan. It was just terrible times. The Republican leadership was like, screw that. I'm going to run for governor of Florida. And now I have a penchant for telling people not to run like you're going to ruin your life. It's not worth it. The country's a maggot infested carcass. Don't do it. That's what I told Chip. I didn't tell him that because... It was a step up. I mean, you're already in Congress, so it's better to run for governor. But deep down, I was thinking like, yeah, right. This guy's like Calvin Coolidge. He reads the Federalist Papers. I love him. You'd love him. But there's no way a guy like that, typically, we don't have people that are that have that much courage, commitment, smart, on, on policy, dedicated to our vision, that are good at politics. So it's like, okay, really, you're going to run for the you know governor of the third largest state, very expensive media market. Where are you going to get the money from? Because I, I just come off of several election cycles where every one of our guys lose. We can never raise the money, put together an organization. We get crushed. But, you know, I mean, he's surprised this time and again. He won the primary, then he won the general in, in an election year where equivalent states were seeing Democrats win every general in that position. And look, I mean, here he is time and again, kind of surprising us. So going forward, I mean, here's my question. This is a guy, he reminds me a lot of Calvin Coolidge, you know, just kind of down to business. Here's what I believe. Here's what we're going to do. Do you think America is ready for a person like that? The America we have in this, this day and age? Wow. What a question. Um, (laughs) I mean, I think we better be ready. Because the um, 
the uh, you know the the alternative is is really um, is 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 really terrible. Um, it's um, I, I think that at the end of the day, what it comes down to is that um, we have a chance here to uh, to reward uh, DeSantis's image of ruthless competence um, while while not pandering at all. And this is uh, this is something that the American right, I think, needs to adopt or else it's just going to be crushed at all levels. Um, I don't think there's a future for the American right at all if it can't execute on its agenda and even worse, if it doesn't want to. I mean, I think what we're seeing now is that um, that uh, we're seeing um, we're seeing candidates and uh, and elements of the GOP base that really don't care about anything. They, 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 they want to be seen. They want their rage and anger kind of mirrored back at them. And, um, and I, I get that impulse, but unfortunately, it's not enough. I mean, it doesn't do anything for your quality of life. And importantly, it doesn't protect you at all from the left. And uh, the other thing is it guarantees that, it, that you will not build a movement that attracts anyone but demagogues and grifters. Mm. And the uh, and 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 folks who are invested, uh, you know, financially and reputationally, and telling you how uh, horrible things are and how nothing can ever be fixed, uh, when they see a guy coming down the road who has scored ta- tangible wins, and um, and you know executes ruthlessly. Um, it kind of freaks people out because it upsets the apple cart because, hey, you know, that's not part of our narrative. Our narrative is that we lose and, you know, and we all go off to the camps next year. And um, and uh, a lot of people are, are kind of invested in that, both financially uh, in, in some cases, as we see uh, on on Twitter and in other places, but but also kind of emotionally. I mean, I get it. I get the Doomer thing. And I know that you wanted to talk about this as like, you know what, does, let's do that. does any of this matter? David, let, let's do let, yeah. let's do that. So you're, you're starting to answer the question before I ask it. But the reason why I chose you more than anyone else on a day like today is because I know you share my passion in national divorce, and and we've already defined what that does and doesn't mean, um, and you know where it's a little bit ambi- ambig and there is some degree of ambiguous nature of as to where it's going to land. But at least embarking on the fact that we are going to take our areas and go where we want. So look, here's my question to you: You and I believe the same thing that essentially we're coming at least a generation too late, and certainly the last five to ten years. Um, you look at whether it's the spending, the dependency, the culture, the demographics, um, you name it, the weaponization of our agencies that I think you and I couldn't have imagined if even a few years ago, right. what we found out about basically the Fourth Reich. I mean, our government's a bigger threat to us than anything. I, to me, I view the federal government as not something that needs to be fixed because it just won't be, but something that we need to defeat and almost protect ourselves from. And that's why I've been pushing kind of this Florida model. Um, You take a guy like DeSantis, and at the end of the day, will this give us false hope that, oh, somehow, you know, you know, we could change things? Ten years ago, I would have been dancing from the rooftops. Like, this would be a national holiday for me. That because typically we would have the worst Republicans be the front runner for president, and here you have like you know I, I I love people like Alan Keyes, but you know he never had a chance to go the distance. Here you have a guy like this that has all the qualities, the heart, the brain, the implementation, their ability to raise money and organize, and the record um, articulation, and he could go the distance potentially. Oh my gosh, this is just this is amazing. And there's a part of me that I am excited and I, I don't shy away from that. But at the same time, Dave, I mean, what are, what do we expect to accomplish with him as president, given that we're coming into this so late? And are we just distracting from our goal of making red states red again and having that Noah's Ark sanctuary from the federal government rather than a picket's charge, an ill-fated attempt at fixing the federal government? Right. Well, I mean, two things, or maybe more than two. But I'll just say that, um, 
you know, I, I deal with this all the time with with friends. There's a discussion that I've had, um, you know, on and on in uh, with 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 folks who kind of see things the way uh, the way we do and are big admirers of uh, of Governor DeSantis. You know, they'll say, um, you know, they'll be kind of fatalists about it. They'll say, oh, the, this country is too far gone. The state of disunion is far too advanced to make anything uh, uh, real uh, possible any real change possible. Um, you know, or on the other hand, you have people who say that the Democrats voter fraud and election fortification um, efforts are, are so great. Uh, they've gotten so good at it that any Republican is basically unelectable and, you know, all resistance is futile anyway. They'll never let a Republican win again. And I mean, I understand, uh, you know, thinking that I, 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 I get it. Things sure look bleak. Um, I think the black pill is seductive because it's comfortable. Uh, you know, you can sit back and, and keep moaning and being hopeless. But um, by refusing to fight at all, I mean, in the end, you'll guarantee a loss. And, uh, and, and that's, you know, that's, that's completely guaranteed. But I mean, I don't, I don't want to be Pollyanna-ish, Pollyanna-ish um, about it. Um, but I think that, um, you know, the black pill is actually a white pill. Um, yes, the option to return to the past is 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 not going to happen. You know, we're we're a different country now. Um, even aside from demographics, uh, kind of ideologically, we're in a far more polarized, crazy place. Um, you know, millions of Americans believe insane things. Uh, we both loathe each other, and I think for very good reason, um, because our worldviews are incompatible. Okay, so that said, what you know, what next then? Um, I still think that um, that it's worth supporting um, DeSantis, um, and I'll say, and I, as I say to my friends, even if voter fraud is insurmountable and we'll lose, and you know, it's all over anyway. I mean, look, if you if you think it's all over anyway, then then I would suggest finding a good hobby that you really enjoy or go play with your kids or go do something that, that brings you joy and satisfaction in your daily life, um, you know, as opposed to something so dark. I mean, if you really think there's no hope, then, you know, be, make like Noah and, and, uh, and, you know, and build an ark. Um, but I suspect that a lot of people kind of think that, you know, they'll say that, but I don't think they really believe it. Um, but in the off chance that they do believe it, um, I think DeSantis is a much better bet, even if he will lose. Because at the end of the day, um, the U.S. presidential election is the world's most, pow- you know, most biggest, most powerful public education project. Mm. Um, every four years, uh, you know, everyone's attention turns to the campaign, and even if there's name calling and all kinds of insults and nonsense. Um, there is talk about the issues, and though the issues that that people talk about um, are ones that resonate with the public, and um, a strong candidate has the ability to shift the conversation on major issues and and to define what is important for the country. I mean, Trump did this in 2016 when he was talking about immigration, trade, and yes, yes. and war. And he was able to completely upend like twenty years of GOP orthodoxy. You know, he was one guy who was saying things that um, that, you know, all 15 of his opponents, you know, thought were crazy. I mean, you had the commentariat saying, like, you know, how is this guy, you know, standing up there and saying these things that, you know, National Review and, and The Wall Street Journal and every other magazine was calling crazy for for, uh, you know, for, uh, for for 20 years. Um, and yet he won because of those things, not not uh, despite them. And and for that reason, he created a new baseline in um, uh, in 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 the GOP and the American right. You know, these are now things that I mean, nobody was talking. You know, sh- sure people were talking about immigration, um, but hey, it was Bush who was pushing an amnesty. Um, and that's how I feel now with things like vaccines and medical freedom is right. that I could be saying all I want is ah, I don't care about the federal election. Let's just focus on the GOP supermajorities and make sure we pass things like medical freedom. But as I mentioned before you came on, we can't even get a basic COVID vaccine mandate bill passed in the Texas legislature where, you know, I could say we should be doing things, but we're not. 
We're not. And the reason we're not is because the GOP is is now a mix of the traditional kind of Mitch McConnell Republicans and then this side of uh, Elise Stefanik Trump grifters that will glum on to some of his branding but certainly won't stick the landing and then often actually join with the McConnell types on policy. So we're just left without it. So you're saying – that if someone will say, look, you know, I don't care about the presidential, make red states red again. And 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 the more red-pilled, so to speak, the red states are, the more it will push us into going our separate ways, which is really what we think needs to happen. But what you're saying is that you can't even have that until you red-pill our elected representation in those states, and you're not going to have that with the current GOP leadership. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with that. And, and, uh, and replacing... Um, Replacing an ineffective moderate uh, like Trump, who at the end of the day, is, he's just, you know, he's, he's you know, the, the only thing that sets him apart from the GOP establishment is mean tweets at this point. Um, and, uh, and, and frankly, the, the old line corporatist GOP establishment loves that because like they'll take mean tweets all day long. If they continue, if they, you know, if, if what they get. It doesn't get into their lane. They get right. to monopolize policy. I keep telling people this because this is my expertise and I worked on primaries for so many years. We have actually regressed in our ability to win primaries. We we were starting to gain traction 2012, 2014 after the Tea Party. We'd still lose most of the time. Gradually, you know, our winning percentage was increasing, but he just nuked that. In several ways, one distraction, another is downright endorsing their candidates, you know, more often than he endorses the right ones. And you look back and I tell people, look at the panoply of GOP governors and senators. And you cannot tell me that we've advanced the ball forward. It's not even like a Trump version of populism that's maybe not quite where you and I am, but certainly is different than the G. No, it's the same old. Yeah, it's not even sincere. None of that stuff is sincere. I, I mean, this this gets us to what I think is the big issue. I mean, this is why I'm, you know, I, I I don't think it's a I don't think it's an accident that some of the biggest DeSantis supporters are here in Florida where I live, um, because we kind of have gotten a first a front row seat um, to seeing this, and and you know, folks from who are not in Florida or you know who are not like like you kind of uh, you know involved in um, in what goes on in Tallahassee. Um, I, you know, they they don't see it and uh, and they don't appreciate it. And I think it'll be the um, the goal of the campaign to sort of translate that and tell that story to uh, to America, at least to uh, to to GOP voters. But as far as I'm concerned, there's really only one issue that matters in in this election and, and going forward, and um, and it's the effective and creative use of state power to defend our citizens from the left's assault, not only in government, but in the civil societies that have uh, institutes, institutions mm. that have been totally captured by the left. It's education, media, big business, big tech, um, the legal and medical establishment, entertainment. You know, I mean, all these forces are marshaled against us with a very strong ideological, um, you know, in, enforcement mechanism. They're, they're, you know they they want to use their immense power to flatten our voices and and frankly to push us from society and um the 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 right in america has um you know it's, it's there, we've got two ways to go on one hand is the old line uh you know republican approach which is you know sort of corporatist but you know, let's let's sort of be nice about it and put it into ideological terms, give them the benefit of the doubt and and say that these are kind of value neutral libertarians, you know, especially where corporations and their corp, uh, campaign donations are concerned. But like, you know, David French, um, you know, why does David French tell us that drag queen story hour is a blessing of liberty? You know, I mean, it sounded crazy, but it's because he thinks that the state, meaning us, our citizens, have no interest in the devolution of society. Yeah. You know, and we're just going to have to live with ever increasing degeneracy shoved down our throats because of, you know, his 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 lofty principles about individual liberty. And um, many of us on the right now understand that it's that position is a recipe for losing our civilization. Um, but but don't and, the Trump people seem to get that? Well, yes, exactly. 
you know, that's uh, that's exactly it. I mean, it's not only Christy Nome and 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 Aza Hutchinson who, uh, you know, will you know, if a, if a big corporation shows up and says, hey, don't pass this right wing law because, you know, we'll boycott your state and take all our employees out. You know, I mean, they'll fold like a cheap camera. Um, but yeah, but yeah I mean, gonna fight aside, he's going to he's well, going to right. deep state. No, no. But I, I mean, as I said, aside from the mean tweets, this is Trump, too. You know, his his outsider image just disguises a totally conventional corporatist Republican. I mean, I'm not even giving him the benefit of the doubt, saying that it's actually an ideological libertarian position, because <laughs> obviously it's not. Um, the fact that he doesn't seem to understand what this debate is all about, I mean, that doesn't matter. You know, he's but shown he that— He seems to be the type of guy that's yeah. like, look, and, like, some people are thinking that he sided with Disney just to own DeSantis. There's this no. Book, that whatever DeSantis says, he's going to say the opposite. But I don't think that's fully true. There's a kernel of truth to that. I think if you look at the way he operated as president, he genuinely is, and it's so ironic because he's literally the opposite— of what some of his supporters project on him, he is a very much a, a system stability guy. He's like, look, this is a fixed institution, America, Disney. Why are you pissing on them? You know, there's jobs at stake. He actually does believe in the stock market. You don't want the stock market to go down. That's why he had to do the COVID stuff. You know, we have to print the money. He actually very much respects the system, except for the narrow sliver of it and the narrow moment of it that it kind of personally attacks him, but systematically putting his own personal thing aside, he seems to respect it. Is, is that what you gather from Trump? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's true to the extent that that any of this is, is thought through rather than just instinctual. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I think that's it. You know, he'll he'll be very comfortable. And look, at even before he was president, I mean, look at his tweets about he's you know, he's got tweets about every conceivable topic, usually where he's, you know, uh, slamming a company or a person or, 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 you know, or an institution or somebody. And, you know, oftentimes it's it's, you know, for good reason. Um, but he thinks that, you know, just slamming them in public is enough. And obviously nobody cares. Um, it doesn't actually change behavior. Um, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's not much, you know, I mean, um, whoa, whoa, whoa. freeze frame. You just reminded me of something that I think is very important. I'm looking at these threatened, they're threatening to boycott Florida now and all this, you know, blowback. But the interesting thing is we already got the ball in the end zone. It's like you could fight after the gain, but we right. won. In other words, those those drag performances are banned, you know, at least in front of minors. And now they're just, you know, closing up shop. You know what Trump – if Trump would have been Florida governor, you know what you would have gotten? He would have maybe yelped about it. It would have mobilized them to have the biggest drag queen shows, and then he wouldn't have followed through with it because he's scared. And then you wind up with the negative efficacy where you get more drag shows than ever. Right, right. No, of course. But but people will have gotten the dopamine hit of seeing his tweets about it and, you know, and they kind of move on to the next thing. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's 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 this whole guy's M.O., and um, you know, I mean, I'm 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 kind of sick of it. It's it's and it's it's not even, um, you know, he, he has never shown not once has he shown the uh, the willingness to use the powers at his disposal to actually rein in the left. I mean, if he didn't do it for four years, you know, why would he start now? You know, as he's he's attacking DeSantis uh, for for di- for uh, for Disney. Um, you know, he did jailbreak his willingness to do amnesty. I mean, he's embraced the key tenets of gender ideology from which everything else, yeah, and, uh, you know, and, and all the, the terrible things flow. I am very, I, I've been talking about this a lot. If you, you know about it, I am very disturbed because this is totally on brand for what is, Trump is perceived at. He would be the most effective guy to get the right to boycott. I mean, he really, that would be his thing. He's not such a you know, a policy thinker, obviously, he's not good on, on on policy outcomes, but kind of these quasi-cultural battles, that's what people envision in him. He, but he's dead silent. His son dumped on the Bud Light fight. You got Bruce Jenner and Rick Greenell there, you know, pimping the homosexual agenda every second. And I guess using the the female bathroom there at Mar-a-Lago, it's like, what the heck? I mean, to me, that is very disturbing because one of the points I made earlier is that Look, if you're going to say the presidential election is not important, well, what do you mean? Things like fighting Target might be more impactful. I agree. 
But do you want a guy giving tailwinds to that or headwinds to that? Right. Um, I mean, I yeah. don't I don't think fighting Target or Bud Light or, you know, frankly, even, um, uh, you, you know, I mean, a lot of these things is um, I mean, that's not where the big fight is. I mean, that's that's low lying um you know that's low lying fruit. That's that's uh, that's kind of a, that's that should be a gimme. Um, if you can't stand up and say no, actually, men are men and women are women, and the entire um, you know the the entire uh, edifice on which gender ideology is based, which is that you can wake up and you can sort of you know define yourself and yeah. and define uh, you know the most basic tenets of reality. Um, and then everyone is supposed to, uh, you know, genuflect and, and agree with you. And, you know, thank you for sharing your truth. I mean, if you if you can't oppose that um, and oppose that strongly, I mean, DeSantis did. He was talking to Benny Johnson. And he said, no, I'm not going to say that that a man is a woman because it's obviously a lie. It's self-evident. It's, obvious, it's not about the logistical right problems of screwing up the rankings in female sports i mean if right. that is all your of top- those things the female sport thing is i mean obviously i think you know I, you know it's obviously I, I think absurd, men, but it, it, men and men yeah. shouldn't be competing in female sports yeah of course but like if you're turning that into the fight if you're saying that the extent to which we're going to fight this is is you know stuff like that um then you're guaranteed to lose the big fight because at the end of the day, there are, you know, a thousand and one different uh, scenarios like that that will pop up. And, it, you know, eventually you will lose because as we go on, I mean, we've seen one of the, you know, one of the most terrifying things. I mean, I think that um, um, I th- I mean, the, the crazy part about all this is that I've long said that um, that uh, the whole Bruce Caitlyn Jenner thing. Um, was a major factor, or maybe not major, but it was a factor in Trump's victory in 2016, because I think going through that in 2015 made people realize that, that this isn't really the same country that it was. You know, all of a sudden he pops up, and then everybody, every institution, every media place, you know, um, is 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 celebrating and affirming and saying it's wonderful and you know God God help you if you if you speak up and you say no this is, you know this is ridiculous what what you know what the hell is this craziness I mean those people were shut uh, shut down they were you, you know they were sent from polite society um, there was really a sense at the time that you know um, it felt like you know the the, the official truth changed. And the fact that the media was able to do this was tremendously scary. Um, I mean, I know I felt it myself. I was like, there's, there's, it's, it's very sinister the way the media was able to, uh, to take an issue and turn it into, um, you know, uh, a moral crusade literally overnight. I mean, they, it used to take them decades to do this and they did it literally overnight. overnight they could get you to violate yeah. natural law. They can make it natural for every human being to wear a mask within a week in every setting, every time it is, it is very scary and we need a bulwark, a messenger, a national advocate, a national megaphone. Now that alone is not going to do it. You got to build a movement. It's like saying, well, do you need a, a match or building a proper campfire from bottom up? We need to continue building that campfire, but we need a match at some point, and we don't, you know, we don't have that. And the question is, will DeSantis be one? Uh, you seem to think that that at least there's the potential there, and I, I de- definitely tend to agree. So again, people could follow you where at uh, Dave Raboy on uh, on Twitter and uh, and also the same um, online and late Republic nonsense. Uh, is my Substack, um, but if you find me at Twitter, everything else will be revealed. Okay, folks, and you can find me at Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com. That is it for today. Thank you, Dave, and thank you all for tuning in. Let me know your comments, questions, and concerns. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening. Politicians will never let a crisis go to waste. 
We have been invaded. The crisis is being used by Republicans as a photo op by the Democrats to expand their voting base. More than 85% of everybody reaching the border is coming in. That's the definition of an open border. Just down the road, you can get in no problem, no Humvees, no armed guards. What people don't realize is there's a way around everything. The Blaze Originals team traveled to the Texas border, ground zero of the most controversial news story of 2024. With some experts estimating over 4 million border crossings in 2023 alone, we embedded with the Take Our Border Back convoy to investigate. What if the entire narrative you thought you knew was a lie? Go watch the real story of Texas versus the feds and how the elites use the border crisis against us by visiting realbordercrisis.com and use code TEXAS for $30 off an annual subscription to Blaze TV.